You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear a valuable hunting-based conversation that's tailored for us Southern folk. If you love what we do and would like to support Southern Ground Hunting, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I've got Mr. Adam Cruz and Mr. Matthew Reeves here with me. And um, we all share one thing in common, and, and that is that we were all bow hunting in Kentucky this past weekend, um, and I stayed for a little bit longer and had a good, had a really good time. What do you guys think, Adam? You've been going there for a while. How did you feel about this trip uh, versus years past? Oh man! Uh, oh, I stayed less time <laughs> than I normally do, so sure. I don't know what that says. <laughs> it was I'm really all, great. I, I never really. It was so awesome. No, I never really devote a lot of time to these uh, really early season opening day hunts in Kentucky. It's just hot, lots of mosquitoes, lots of ticks. But you know what? It's enjoyable to get out there, uh, do something a little bit different out of your comfort zone. So other than that, man, it did feel like it was a little bit hotter this time. And uh, I know you guys are going to talk about wind and stuff like that. The wind was wrong for every set that I predetermined to set in. So I didn't set in any place that... I thought I wanted to. That, that was just kind of the way it went. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that. From my perspective, it was much cooler this trip than it ever has been in years past. Um, and maybe it was maybe it was after you left, like more in the midweek of it. But it, yeah. dude, it got freaking nice all like the rest of the week. It was like 60 degree mornings, you know, you're going in where you could really get by wearing a hoodie probably. Um, the evening, the afternoons were a little rough, but even still it wasn't as bad as it normally is, uh, cause of that rain that came through and kind of cooled everything down. Matt, this is your first time hunting early season Kentucky. What was your, uh, what were your thoughts on it? It was, it was similar. I've hunted Georgia the last two years and they opened up the, I think they've opened up the 12th and the 10th. Um, and I've, so I've, I've dealt with the mosquitoes and stuff, but Honestly, I can I can say this with a hundred percent confidence. I did not get bit by one mosquito on this trip, um, and I don't know if that was just because of the rain where I was. If I just had one heck of a thermostat running the whole time, but uh, it was it was very fun. Uh, it was a little overwhelming going somewhere I've never been before, different terrain, uh, kind of jumping in head first to learn this place to you know know stuff for years to come now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was everything I expected. Uh, but like you said, Parker, it wasn't terribly hot. Uh, the only time when it got terribly hot was after it rained and that sun would beam down and it would just turn into a sauna. That was really the only time. I mean, shoot, you're going to sweat either way, but once you get up in the stand, I, I, I got pretty comfortable. Uh, it wasn't just miserable wishing I had one of those 
water fans that squirted me in the face, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's um like like I said, I thought it was a little bit cooler this year for the opener. But I will say this. Um I, I don't think that the cool weather helped anything for deer. No. Um Adam, you've been out there early season before. It's not no. it's it's not like unreasonable to say that if a guy spends eight days there, he should be seeing, no matter where he sits, he should be seeing multiple bucks. Maybe not close range, yeah. maybe not get a shot, but at least have encounters with multiple bucks. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Absolutely, especially put in the time and, and find like where they're bachelored up at, especially mm-hmm. if you're going to be in a deer, without a doubt. Absolutely, and every year I go, I mean, we we sweat, and it is miserable and we get tick bitten and all this stuff. Um, and, and it, and it sucks, but pretty much every year I have had a legitimate opportunity or multiple opportunities, uh, in that first week at, at bucks. And this year I had one, one opportunity at a buck. Um, and, and in particular, this place last year had double digit buck kills on the opening day. There was double-digit buck kills. This year, there was one buck that was killed um, from Saturday through Monday, through that opener opener weekend. One buck. And I think think it stayed like maybe one or two or three throughout the week. Um, So nothing really ever got better. There's a lot of people hunting and very few buck sightings. saw uh, saw some does but not i wouldn't say not the typical experience that we have there but adam you said something last uh i don't know two weeks ago maybe before the trip you said man i'm just gonna go and be comfortable i'm not gonna work too hard i'm not gonna overthink things i'm just gonna go and have a good tip a good a good trip um, good tip. Good, good tip. <laughs> Just a tip. Um, uh, <laughs> it's really funny when you think about it in context of three guys that were staying together at a cabin. <laughs> hey, <laughs> <laughs> nothing happened. So uh, that you remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh man. So anyway, we. Uh, you said something about that. You're like, I'm just gonna go have a good trip. Yeah, and uh, that kind of created my motto for the week, uh, which was hunt dumb. I, I said it a lot this whole trip, especially talking to my dad because my dad would be like, "Man, we should go sit." You know, I know I need to be going out here, and I'm like, "Dad, I've seen more people out here hunt dumb and kill bucks than yep. anywhere else, and it's almost never the people who are out there going deep or." you know, using the water or doing all the hard things that are supposed to be the right things. It's always the people who are like, ah, I'm just going to go walk around. <laughs> I'm going to go find a good spot <laughs> over here by the road. And then they come back to camp and tell you where they actually had these encounters with these bucks or killed a buck or whatever. It's like, I've it looked, I've sense. driven right by there every single time we've, we've been here. You and, know, they're going a hundred right. yards from the truck sitting in the edge of a bean field. And you're like, that goes against every that's, rule doesn't make it that's what it, you told me yeah. the whole time before coming I'm like man how do i need to scout this place you're like don't overthink it just you know if you go 50 yards off the road you're liable to kill a buck you know just as easy if you're looking at a thermal hub with a saddle come to a crow's foot you know <laughs> you don't have to get that in depth on the early season that's just it it's almost you just got to get lucky it's- I feel like in some ways, like we in the years past that we've been up there and you talk to guys that have killed bucks, it's generally the individual that seems like they have no freaking clue. Like yeah. they literally just like got out of their truck, went to a bean field and climbed the tree that they can climb. And it's like, Oh, yep. Shot him. <laughs> he came running at me. He's like, what the <laughs> heck, dude? It's, and that's why like this year, I'm like, you know what? I'm not getting too, <laughs> too messed up. I've got one or two days, maybe. So I'm just gonna have a good time and relax. So, all of that being said, man, I just absolutely enjoyed it. 
way more than I normally do. I made smarter decisions when it comes to poison ivy. Um, I already had poison ivy from the velvet hunt, like worse than I've ever had it. My whole my whole hand swelled your, up like a dang your softball. Your skin was just thick. Yeah, you just had thick skin on it. Yeah, that's all it was. Probably it was just already scabbed. <laughs> um, and just my my whole hand is still basically just a big scab right now from that. And so I was like, man, I had I've already been there, done that this year. I don't want to do it again. So. I mean, one particular day, I found a tree or found a spot that I wanted to hunt, and I could not find one single tree that didn't have poison ivy on it. And I was like, well, looks like I'm going to go to a different spot. <laughs> and, <laughs> Just keep on, <laughs> keep on going. Yep. Good for so, you. <laughs> so I found a different spot, and that's actually the day that I that I had that opportunity at that buck. Um, I had one plan, and I ended up going back to my second plan, and uh, – found a good tree there and so i didn't get poison ivy really i got a little bit on my finger and i think it was probably from my ropes you know it was probably just left over that was already on my rope um that's interesting the weather was great as far as you know heat was concerned it was pretty enjoyable once you got set up um i i put like triple portions of permethrin of sawyers on all my clothes so Mm -hmm. like it's got three coats on it so it was I think it was killing any tick that was within, within about five feet of me. Uh, so that was good, just, you know. Just, just dying. The the leaves were dying as you walked by. Just everything <laughs> was wilting. Yeah, you know. yeah. I actually, I killed, pa- I killed, I killed path as you walked through. I killed four bucks that way. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we just haven't found them yet. Yeah, we just ain't found them. They they went in somewhere and died. Uh. Well, pa- well, Parker, on on all this, I know we've talked talking about the uh the heat and everything but what about kind of our tactic that we did have the plan we kind of had instead of hunting stupid i know mine was to find a buck or find an area that i feel like these bucks are coming back to feed and we i feel like we need to kind of talk about the issue we were coming up on that with those deer getting in there a lot earlier than we even got in there um and early season versus you know october where just a few hours can change what's going on man i don't know that there was a single sit that i didn't blow a deer um like uh, several times deer came through in the dark while i was set up i could hear the deer come through they catch my wind or catch where i walked in and they blow and they're i mean they're already coming back to those that bedding area um i wouldn't say that at any point was I set up in the mornings on a food source. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like it was always trying to get thicker and thicker and thicker, get right on those edges. Um, and multiple times, Matt, I know this happened to you too, multiple times I jumped deer out of their bed, like where, you know, you catch their eyes and then you see them stand up mm-hmm. and then they kind of walk off. That happened almost every morning. Something like that yeah. would happen. Uh, and we were yeah, getting but, in there at four thirty usually four thirty oh, five, and, that, and that's what happened to me my first morning. I mean, I'm going in blind to Kentucky, never been to this place before, and uh, I'm like, well, I just got to find some deer sign, and I'm walking through the woods, find a pretty good trail, and I see eyes, and I'm like, okay, I'm in a bedding area, set up there, end up being a good spot, end up seeing six deer the first morning, but they were either pushed really late in the morning or they were in there really early, and that's kind of what we were fighting with and the squirrel hunters. Yeah. And that, that opening morning, that opening morning, that's what happened to me. I would not have seen a deer opening morning if it were not have been for, uh, the squirrel hunters. Like those deer, I hear deer start blowing from where I was imagining a deer would be heading to. That was why I sat there and I got set up and everything. And about, I don't know, eight, eight thirty or so. I hear a bunch of shots and all of a sudden I hear deer start blowing and they had already gotten back to that bedding area um, way before I ever even got there to get set up. And the guy, the squirrel hunters ended up pushing those deer past me. And that's the only reason I even saw a deer. And Matt, I know when me and you were hunting together close by, there was always squirrel hunters either between us, around us. Like it was pretty much the whole time. Just bullets going everywhere. It, It was almost a safety hazard. 
I had um, one, I did have one that opened more than whiz by me. I mean, it was like I, I remember Shoo! that was awful. It's scary. You had, you had <laughs> squirrel hunters and dove hunters. You had yeah, dove hunters in the evening, which they they came up in the morning too. And I'm not saying you know these deer are used to that stuff. Um, it helps them move a little bit more, but it just seemed like this weather. I, I know you you told me you know in a previous podcast we had we were talking about hey it's it's early season i think it was redneck jeopardy or something um we we were talking about it's early season you know you're hunting in the hardwoods of alabama what's going to make these deer move what's the pattern you're going to go off of and i think your answer was i I want rain to come to come into effect because that's going to that's a drastic change in the weather during the summertime and it's going to cool, you know, pull the woods off. These deer are going to get up and they're going to have to move, dry off, whatever. Okay. So we look at the forecast and we're like, Hey, it's going to rain while we're up there. It is going to be a banger. You know, we're like, here we go. Well, it rained the whole time. You know, we had a couple breaks here and there, but I, you know, Parker and Adam, I don't know if to me, I'm, I'm seeing that rain sets in. And it was consistent. I think if it was a little less consistent, those deer would move would have moved more. I think with it being, you know, as ongoing as it was, they just kind of hunkered down and stayed in their core area. I know Spartan Forge said it was going to be a transition area, but I feel like they just stayed more into that core area. As we saw, we were bumping them in their core area early in the morning, and they weren't getting up and moving after that. Yeah. Um, Adam, you, I know you've probably experienced this, uh, even in Tennessee where you're at, you got a little more agriculture of when it's been hot, when it's been really hot, those afternoon pop-up thunderstorms can really get deer on their feet. Absolutely money. Just money. If you can get them. Yeah. Your biggest buck ever came from a similar situation and that's early season deer. And it's like. I I wonder if it's kind of the consistency of it. Um, uh, Matt, I think you said something similar to that. It's like just it's so constant. Uh, The opening day was the first day of the rain, and I saw a buck that morning and a buck that evening. Yeah. And that was great, but it was I think it was like the sudden change. And then from that point on, it was kind of cloudy and cool and rainy the rest of the week. It, it never changed. There wasn't the sudden change, um, those sudden showers and sudden thunderstorms. The other thing I like about hunting those the rain in the early season is kind of goes to the wind factor that we were talking about earlier. Um, a lot of times with those showers or, or pop-up storms, you'll get a, a, a very drastic increase uh, or change in wind direction with those fronts that move in. I notice that every single time one comes in, while the while the weather is there, while it's overcast, the wind will almost shift to like a 180-degree change. Mm-hmm. And in early season, if you can get those to happen right around like 10 o'clock in the morning or like 4.35, somewhere around there in the evening... Um, if you do it at 10 o'clock in the morning, that buck, if he's bedded down for a certain wind direction and then all of a sudden it changes for an hour or an hour and a half, there's a good chance you can catch him changing to a bed that is going to be more beneficial for him in that scenario. In the early season, most of the opportunities that I've ever had had been in those those wind change scenarios. My My biggest Alabama buck ever came from that type of situation. Um, the big giant that I missed in Kentucky several years ago, uh, that happened in that situation. And that's why I was set up there. Uh, and I feel like it's something that we forget about being a really cool advantage to having stuff like Spartan Forge or hunt stand or, um, anything that kind of gives us a forecasted wind direction is when you see those sudden changes, you're able to go in. If I were to see a, a, a wind out of the east if it's coming straight east until 10 o'clock, I would be set up between a straight east wind and if it moves, let's say it shifts to a, a north wind, a wind coming straight out of the north, I would be hunting that spot preparing for a wind coming out of the north all day because 
that east wind isn't going to mess me up hopefully with where he's at currently and once it changes you'll be right there waiting for him um that seems like it's always been something that's uh not talked about a whole lot but it definitely in early season especially it comes into play for me a lot um and we yep. and we experienced that this week where we would set up not necessarily thinking about those that aspect but we would set up trying to be on the food source in the evening and then it just the wind just all of a sudden just shifts out of a completely different direction and stays that way until dark. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's how pretty much all my evenings were. Um, I think I had two, two evening hunts. Yeah. Set up on the evening field the first time that rain shower came in and it went from a, it, I think we were, had like a north, northeast wind and then it turned directly south and just, you know, my hunt's done. It's, I also had a guy walk right by me at five o'clock. You know, yeah, that didn't help. That didn't help either. Yeah. Um. But uh, I feel like that kind of did that. But then back to what you were saying about the east plan you set up, you know, for that north wind to come in just in case. Um, that's what happened to me on my my buck encounter. Uh, is that it was that east wind that evening, but it would it would get it would blow south some, then it would blow north some too, and you just you just didn't know, but I knew this boat was going to be coming from the west, the way where they were accessing the field. And long story short, he he came in and got downwind of me, and they eased out of there. And never knew they were, never knew they left. I thought they went to the beans, but it was a. It's just neat how the wind does what it does in early season because you can never truly predict it, uh, no matter what the wind says. So find yourself all the milkweed you can and throw it every second. Hey guys, as most of you know, censorship for hunters and anglers is completely out of control. So we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat the mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're actually encouraged on Go Wild. They give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting other friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too like gift cards, free stuff like knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit GoWild.com to get started. Six Day Grind Coffee Co. is made for people like you, the ones out there grinding to reach your goals every single day. Whether it's 3 a.m. wake-up calls to get into the woods or just getting through your work day, a good cup of high-quality coffee to start your day is imperative. When you buy from Six Day Grind, you not only get a great bag of premium roasted coffee, you also have the opportunity to support conservation through their Coffee for Your Cause program, where 10% of your purchase goes to the conservation organization of your choice. Check out SixDayGrindCoffeeCo.com today. That's the word six, followed by DayGrindCoffeeCo.com. That that it's an interesting thing to think about. It's like some of these guys who uh, have specific deer that they're trying to hunt. So you got a 170 inch buck living on your farm, and he's being real consistent. You know, right before season, and you go in and actually hunt him. Man, what a risk you're taking with the experiences that I've had in these early September hunts. It's like you're taking a huge risk to go in there and hunt him because like in our situations, what ended up happening because we weren't necessarily, I wasn't always setting up to, to expect the changing wind. Um, cause a lot of times we just didn't even know that it was even going to happen. It would be saying it was going to do straight East. But when that happens and you're set up on a food source, you have blown the whole area pretty much, you know, like everything in front of you has already smelled you. Everything behind you has already smelled you. Your best chance is for somebody to bump one to you or uh, one to have moved a really long ways in that early season. And so, like, when all these guys have these target bucks that they're hunting and they go in and start hunting and they're there every single day before the season and then all of a sudden the people never kill them. They don't kill those target bucks most of the time. And it's like, and you might not ever kill them now because... 
You know, it, it, it kind of blew him out from every direction. Um, and I, I've seen that happen time and time again with people on public land and private land, you know, going in and trying to hunt specific deer. If you go in too terribly early, I believe it's uh, uh, Bobby Worthington that talked about, you know, I only hunt the rut. <laughs> I'm a rut hunter because every time I go in there, it it decreases my chances more and more when I know there's a big buck living in there. Um, it just continues to decrease my chances of killing him. And so uh, it's an interesting thought, you know, from somebody. I That ain't me. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm just going in to hunt bucks, right? Like, I, I don't yeah. have target deer or anything. If I have an idea of where bucks like to bed at, I'm going to try to access it in such a way that I don't mess that up. But, I mean, I ain't no telling how many big bucks I've blown out of areas. Because I'm just, oh, yeah. just going in there, you know. Um, how about, um, this, um, bean field mumbo jumbo? Uh, I think that every time I have gone to early season, an early season hunt, whether it's Tennessee, um, Kentucky and North Dakota, beans are always kind of like the first thing that you try to figure out, right? Everybody knows the deer are going to be hitting those bean fields in the evenings, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just, I don't know what it is. I don't see a lot of deer on bean fields out there. Like, I just, I just don't see them. Of course, I'm not seeing them in the woods either. And so then it, it kind of brings us to this, like, is the bean field game just consistently sitting on a bean field every single hunt? And that's just, that's the reason why you're going to kill one because you're doing it every single hunt. Or is it like for real a, a tactic that should be used? What do you think, Adam? Um, Man, I'll say this. The two best deer I've killed were within 100 to 50 yards of a bean field. Like that's just the facts. Early season, two best bucks I've ever killed. However, uh, you making that point, and then us and our history of hunting Kentucky, and like all I've ever focused on are the beans up there. Um, and I then I talked to others, like I talked to someone that we both know that's been hunting up there this past week, and he made the comment, "Dude, I saw all my deer around corn, like not cut corn, like around standing corn." Yep. So it makes me kind of think like, eh, maybe I should be trying to find the specific right uh, corn to be hunting around. I don't know. I don't know the right answer. Obviously, uh, I feel like I've gotten lucky the two times on beans is what I feel like. Maybe the, the whole point of like, just keep hunting the beans and you go find some, you know, Were they in, find your let, buck, let but, me ask you this. Were your deer in beans yeah. or just around beans? The one of them was like five yards from going into the bean. It was more like a staging area. Um, and he was coming into the beans. Okay. And your other one, I yeah. was there for it, and it was close to the bean field, yeah. but it wasn't like. He had like a hundred yards. Yeah. You know, like, field, maybe. And, and I mean, I, I think most of my wood sits that I did this trip were within 150 or so yards of beans. Yeah. I think the area of it is not necessarily the, the problem. Yeah. The deer are, are around them. That's kind of where they're yeah. going to be close to. But hunting in them, my first two or three years going to Kentucky and hunting there, and and really that's my first time hunting farm country. I my, my first year I definitely was trying to do all the hardcore, going in and finding all these great spots and all wood spots, you know, not caring about the crops that are around, and that didn't freaking work. And so, um, the next year I was like, okay, I'm gonna go get on these backsides of these bean fields and that didn't really work. <laughs> and then the next year was kind of like, I don't even know what the deer are doing. And so I'm just going to hunt funnels. And that kind of worked, you know, like finding legit rut funnels that were in close proximity to bean fields. Um, it definitely up my opportunity. And this time I said, that's all I'm going to hunt. Like I hunted a bean field, like once but almost every spot that i hunted would have been a phenomenal rut funnel um and i i think in any other year i would have seen more bucks doing that 
Um, this year, it was just, without a doubt, the lowest buck sightings that of any year that I've ever went from everyone we talked to. Um, yeah, it's, cr- it's cross the board. It's not, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't just us. No. Uh, everybody, everybody at camp. Did y'all see anything? No. Just got wet. Fawns. Just no, two, two guys got in an argument in the bean field. Um, you know, stuff, <laughs> stuff like that. Did that really happen to you? Yeah, not, not me, but uh, the guys that were beside us, I asked them, they were like, I don't know, but at I heard two guys getting into it up in the bean field. <laughs> uh, must have. That's awesome. Not like something. So, now, you're... So Parker, t- tell us about your your book. I think everybody would like to hear about that. Before well, he is not in my possession, so he is not my buck. Uh, <laughs> you're in, you're in my encounter my, with the let deer. Me get, let me get my language right. <laughs> yeah, he ain't my buck. <laughs> He's still the state's buck. Uh, <laughs> um, so I go out uh, the opening morning, and uh, those squirrels bump a bunch of does to me. And, uh, I took a stupid shot that I shouldn't have taken. And if I'm being completely honest, I'll be transparent on the podcast with people. I'm not putting it on YouTube because it was a terrible, terrible, terrible decision. Um, and a shot that I shouldn't have taken. But, um, so these does come running by and whatever, I miss one and they run to this basically funnel. Um, it's like a, like a small a strip of trees that runs along the edge of the water um, and there's CRP on the other side, CRP or beans uh, and corn on the other side. So it really just works like it'd be a phenomenal rut funnel. And every deer went through there. And then about five minutes later, a buck walks uh, about 60 yards in front of me through the trees and walks to that same funnel. And I thought, man, I have hunted this area for a lot of years and seen a lot of deer go that way and I never go and hunt it so I thought I'm gonna go hunt that so I hunted it uh the that evening and I actually had plans to hunt somewhere else that was when I was saying I I uh um didn't climb a tree because every tree had poison oak on it so I was like all right backup plan I want to go hunt that that funnel because every deer was there so I walk in in there and it's not very far away and uh set up it had just rained i had actually i think i had already taken you adam was that opening day yeah that was opening day where you were yeah. take me to a spot i said hey let's uh let's turn around <laughs> yeah it started raining and it started thundering and lightning real bad and adam was like uh i think i'm done <laughs> Take me back to my truck. <laughs> I think I'm going to control my own destiny. <laughs> yeah, that's what you said. <laughs> Instead of waiting on Parker to come pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I, I changed changed my plan a little bit. Go back to that funnel, and uh, there was a really cool water beads on my bow, and it just kind of looked cool. The sun was hitting it just right, and I was like, "Man, that's pretty." I never take my camera off of the tree, off of the arm, like. I can think of maybe like two or three times that that's ever happened. And it's, I mean, it's just so rare that I just take it off to film B-roll. But I had to. I took it off and I'm, I literally, I dude, I just got set up. It was probably like 4.15, you know, maybe 4.30, something like that. I had just gotten set up. And I'm doing all this B-roll with my camera in my hand. And I catch something out of the corner of my eye and I look. And he's like trotting by at like... I don't know, 14 spit on him to 18 yards, you know, I mean, like just right there, perfect bow range. And he's not running, but he's, he's moving, you know, I think he had probably caught my, my scent trail, my walk-in scent trail somewhere back there. Cause I just walked all over that. And, uh, so he, he kind of trots through and I'm freaking out. I'm, I don't know what to do. I've got this camera in my pocket. My saddle <laughs> is blocking the pockets because the pants that I'm wearing don't have like thigh pockets. So I can't put it in my pocket. My thermosels <laughs> in my backpack pocket. And I'm like, what the flip do I do with this camera? And, and all that probably only took like two seconds. Um, and then I was like, screw it. I'm putting it back on the arm. 
I'm like <laughs> screwing it back on the camera arm, trying to get it on there. And I'm shaking. And I don't even have my uh, camera off of the – or screwed on. And I stop him. I'm like, Matt, Matt, <laughs> trying to just – give myself a fighting chance yeah (laughs) and so he's still like he basically does like a semicircle around me so he stays within 25 yards the whole way around me and uh so i finally get it get my bow and he was out old boy was gone and um Mm. i'm not gonna sit here and act like he was this big giant huge deer so i'm not too tore up about it but he was nice you know like he was a good deer and he was hard horned too. He right? was hard horned. And he, he, I think he was bloody in my head. He had like a really chocolate rack, but it was probably just bloody. Because, um, you know, that was opening day. He probably hadn't been hard horned for more than more than 24 hours, maybe. And so um, I think it was probably the same buck that I had seen that morning. And this has been a tactic, for, especially in somewhere like Kentucky. But even Tennessee and just places that have more ag, ag-based ag bedding, a lot of the Midwest is probably like this, I have found the bump and dump thing to work a lot faster, a lot more effectively in that kind of country. And a lot of times I haven't even done it on purpose. It's just kind of been the way it worked out. I would bump a buck. My very first Kentucky day of hunting Kentucky in my life, uh, this happened. I bumped two big bucks off of a bed actually in this same exact spot and um that night that afternoon right at dark one of them came back circled back around and i heard him walking through the crp and basically make a big circle and he walked right underneath me um that is a long story but i should have killed him and i didn't i don't kill a lot of bucks in kentucky uh i have a lot of opportunities there i feel that uh yeah (laughs) Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment, where everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. You do have you do have a lot of opportunities, man. One of the things I want to ask you about is like the places you decide to hunt. Do you do you set up in some of the same areas year after year and see like some pretty consistent buck movement in those areas. Are you just like continuously shotgunning it and going to different spots all the time? No, I've kind of narrowed down areas. Now I I do add in a couple, you know, throughout, throughout the week. I, I, I usually give myself a week to hunt it. And, um, I found this year that I hunted quite a few spots that I'd been to before. Um, and then quite, I, I probably hunted four or five sits on new spots or new areas, but it wasn't places that I didn't have any knowledge about. It was places that I'd scouted or, um, you know, in previous years scouted or in previous years, somebody I knew had encounters there. Um, you know, I've had, I had a couple of those, uh, the, the place that I ended up killing the, the first doe in. Adam was a spot that you hunted open in day or pretty dang close to the spot you hunted open in day. Yeah. And, um, and I'm pretty sure the only buck that got killed that weekend was killed in that same spot too. Cause there was a big giant gut pile sitting, I mean, 10 yards away from where I actually shot the doe at. Uh, and there was still a buttload of deer in there. And so, uh, that was a new spot for me. I had never hunted it before. But uh, I knew you had been down in there. It's always been like kind of a point of interest for me, but not like I've never. Yeah, just it's the first in. time I've been down there. Yeah. It just uh, looks good on a map like we talked about before we went. It's like, all right, that looks legit. Yeah. Clayton Clayton hunted fairly close to it uh, yeah. the time that he came. So, yeah. And, and it was basically 
like the perfect I set up right in the bed, like right in the bedding area. And the doe that I shot was about to lay down. I mean, she was like licking a branch, you know, and you could tell she's her body language was like, I'm about to pop a squat right here. And then once I got to tracking, uh, after I shot her, I mean, there was beds all over where I was at. So, um, and it was really the perfect spot for what we were talking about. You know, they've, been bedding down in the daylight or I mean in the dark um well before daylight and so I was like you know what I'm just gonna go in and set up I'm probably gonna blow deer out of it but may get them coming back because I'll be coming in under dark um and then there's probably other deer bedded in there and that's sure enough what happened I never heard any of those deer coming um I never saw them like arrive at the spot they very well could have just been bedded up while I set up that wouldn't surprise me yeah. at all. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that kind of answers your question. There are some consistencies, though, yeah. that I see. And, and one of those is the funnel thing that I was talking about. Um, like, finding those areas that just look like good rut funnels that are within proximity to beans, especially when you have a lot of pressure. They're not going to be, like, yeah. pushing does in there, but it's going to be their security. You know, that's their escape routes and things like that. Um, And in my mind, I don't know that, I don't know that does always run bucks, their escape routes, but it kind of seemed, it would seem that way. Um, Or a doe, a buck is pushing the doe into his safe area a lot of times. And so I've seen that be pretty, pretty good. I killed the second doe in a similar spot to that. It was just a, thin edge of woods uh up on a up on top of a ridge between the water and the crp and beans so it seems pretty consistent um that second doe though was pretty funny i wasn't going to shoot her unless she came in like i was going to shoot that doe if she came in to like 15 yards quartered away perfect on camera it was like yeah i'll shoot her because i hadn't i still hadn't put a deer in the boat yet I wanted to do that. It's like, yeah, I mean, so it wouldn't be a hard drag out of here. I could get a perfect shot, you know. So this doe comes in and beds down. Literally, y'all, she beds down like 20 yards from me and sits there all day long. And I sat until I sat until 10. About 9.50, uh, I hear something run off from where she was bedded at. And she was kind of in some thick stuff, and I couldn't see her real well. I'd just see her stand up every once in a while. And she sit back down. So I hear her run. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting down now. Dad was waiting on me. <laughs> you know, I, I had still had to go pick him up. So I was like, I'm going to get down. So I get down, pack up everything. My bow is still on the pull-up rope attached to my saddle. Uh, it's on like a retract- retractable hoist. And so they get everything put up. And I look up as I, as I strap the final buckle on my bag. I look up and that doe is standing there at like 15 yards, maybe. I mean, she was like right there. And I'm like, I mean, I don't have my boat even taken off the thing. She ain't going to let me shoot her. She, there's no way this deer is going to let me shoot her. I'm like, but I'll try. (laughs) So (laughs) I reach down and she's looking at me like doing that head bob thing, you know, that they do. And she'd walk a couple steps closer and look, you know. So I like grab my my uh, clip off of my bow from my hoist, and it like and like smacks the side of my oh, <laughs> platform, and she's just like she kind of spooks, you know, and she looks around I'm like all right, so uh, surely she's not gonna let me knock an arrow, so I pop an arrow off of the quiver, and I'm like moving pretty big, like trying to save her life for, her. and I stick it in, and then the last thing was my release. Um, my, I kept my, I have a, a thumb release and I put it in my sis hauler on my saddle. And so I have to unzip it and dig around in there and try to find that release. And I'm digging and she's just like doing this. And then she starts freaking eating. I'm like, all right, whatever you deserve it. You earn this. And so I clipped it in and she let me draw back. She turned broadside and I just, I hit her. I mean, about as good as you can hit a deer. Um, and she dropped 
Like, I hadn't seen that happen a lot. She just dropped straight to the oh, ground. Wow. I was like, well, <laughs> I just texted Dad, like, when I was packing up, like, about to be on my way to the boat. And she <laughs> dropped. So I went over and, like, let her die. Uh, I, I helped her die because uh, I just didn't want to <laughs> sit there and watch it. Um, helped her die and triggered her my stuff, threw all my bag, and it was all downhill straight to the boat. So I get down to the boat and, or get to my dad. I load her up, get to my dad, and I still hadn't told him at this point that I shot a deer. And so he has no clue. And it took me maybe like three minutes longer than it would have if I hadn't shot a deer because the whole thing, you know, it didn't take me any time at all. And, um, so I'm filming dad to try to get his reaction and a beaver or something goes behind me. He's like, look at that beaver. That thing's just letting you get right close to it, isn't it? I'm like, yep. I still got the camera on him. He's like looking at me all weird. He's like, man, this is a good spot. And he's like, I, I, I set up right over here and he's looking at me and talking. He's like, I set up over here. I thought they were going to cross right here. That deer that came in was way over here. And he's looking straight at me and this deer is in the boat. And he still hadn't said a thing about it. And he's like, why are you filming me? And he looks down and sees a deer sitting there. And he's like, oh, you, that's just dirty. I can't believe that. It's just dirty. Did so, you clip her shoulder or something for her to drop like that? I had to have. I, I don't really know exactly. Because it was on the ground. Um, and I had to have hit something. I mean, like she... She died about as fast. She was going to die about as fast as they would. It just, she wasn't a very mm. big doe. Um, she was pretty small. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. It was right behind the shoulder. Um, it was tight. I remember seeing that picture. It was uh-huh. like really tight, which is great. Yeah, I don't know. I've had it happen. So, when I lived in Texas, I did an exotic hunt. Um and shot a ram, and I shot it perfect behind the shoulder, and he dropped like a sack of bricks, just boom, straight down. So, I mean, I've I've seen it happen before, but it's kind of rare, I think. I've never, um, unless I hit him in the spine, that's the only, only way they drop. Yeah, I've I've had them. Uh, last year, I shot one that rolled. She like rolled her back into the shot, and so it ended up going into her spine, and then into the lungs, down into the lungs, and she dropped and died pretty quick. Um, but I had the dang, one of those does made a dang scream. Golly, like the one that did last year. I had I had never really seen a whole lot of videos or like heard of that happening much. It happened to me twice last year and then once this year. And the one this year, was the first one that I shot and it was like mid body, you know, like liver quartered away liver and came out the spine of the scapula on the opposite side. I mean, and just obliterated. It was like as good of a quartered away shot. It's what you want. And she did it bah! like just loud as could be. Um, I don't know what it is, man. They really don't like it. It's probably that they don't, they really know that it's high FOC and they're like, man, this is awful. This is terrible. This good, sucks so bad. Good job on your, good job on your uh, build. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we shoot no Twizzlers at me? <laughs> oh, that was heavy. We got some bougie does around here, man. They're like, if your arrow didn't cost seventy five dollars, I ain't making no, any felt, noises. That, that felt like six hundred grains. <laughs> 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 you could have sharpened that one a little better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next time, sharpen. Give it one more, one more run down that sharpening stone. No, but it was a, it was now, a good Parker, time. The you only th- you didn't add just a deer to your boat. It's hauling, hauling out, or hauling. In. You had true. another, another little adventure, right? Yeah. So, man, Adam, I know we've talked about this on a podcast. Our just absolute disdain for. Asian carp. Uh, oh gosh, those yeah. Things. Golly, you had you had a yeah, run in the boat. You had a run in with one right on the kayak. 
Oh, yeah. And you've seen me on my kayak with a motor when I used to have that stupid thing. I wasn't exactly graceful to begin with and just running down the river. <laughs> and that thing hit me in the shoulder, dude. I about put that sucker like that. Matter of fact, that was probably one of the last time I ever ran that motor. And I sold that sucker. It's yeah, something about them, dude. Like, when on those kayaks, the first time I ever went out there, it happens anywhere I go in Tennessee, anywhere I go in Kentucky. Um, and that first year, it, it, I mean, it just kind of taught you that if you're out there on that water, you better have your butt clenched the whole time. And it makes it, oh, yeah, it makes it kind of scary. Like you're going through there and you're like, some big old 30 pound bullets about to hit me right in the face. Um, nothing can really prepare you for that. Not only that, but they're just gross and they stink. And you're going to dang smell like it all day, so and it's going to slap you right in the face. Um, so, so, I didn't need it. It's, it's just nasty, <laughs> nasty animals. Their eyes are like on their chin, too. It's the weirdest looking thing. Yeah, I've never. I was so thrown off by their eye placement. And then it was just like a slug, like a, like a slug fish that just came <laughs> in the boat. And it was just. Awful slugfish. Slug I saw. I, I, you've got slimy catfish and all, you know, all that. I, I do my fair share fishing, but that it was just nasty. And they don't you know, smell. Know, they smell I know, different. I know people blowfish for them, and I mean, that's not even. That's like shooting fish in a barrel. Honestly, because there's so many of them. Because when we when we were backing out that morning, they they were just sitting there. I mean, by the, the hundreds of them, just you know, surfacing. It's oh just, man, it was. I've never seen it. I've never seen it before. It was terrible, man. It, like I hate them. I will say, in the boat, the boat makes life a lot easier. You're not nearly as worried that one's going to knock you into the water. You know, you just kind of. <laughs> Yeah. You just kind of, I mean, I'm prepared for one to jump in, but so me and Matt, <laughs> we're sitting, sitting there just kind of, I think we're trying to figure out where the slough is that we're going to go up into. And we're looking at the maps and we're just kind of sitting there with the motor idling in neutral or whatever. And all of a sudden here he comes, just pops right into the boat. <laughs> like just, just literally yeah, looks like is. stupid. Just, looked like he was trying to jump in our boat. Like, that's what he wanted to do. Um, and then the boat, the boat still stinks, dude. It still smells like that stupid carp. The whole time, I was thinking that my deer meat went bad because I had my ice chest in the boat as a seat. And yeah. me and Dad would walk by the boat like, man, that meat went bad or something. And so I'd open it up and everything's good there's still ice on it it's cold the meat doesn't smell like anything you know it's like meat and <laughs> just that stupid carp it smells like somebody just like dropped off a load of sardines in your boat and let it ferment for four days it's just nasty i hate them i hate those stupid things um i i, I applaud every single person who shoots holes right through their faces because i think they suck <laughs> Kill them all. They need to have something where they electrocute them and just scoop them up by the thousands. Yeah. Like they do pond surveys or something for bass. You know, they'll it'll be holding eight pounders. They just need to get all those and throw them on the bank. Yep. Did you see them walking through the woods from where the waters rise up at? No. So I, I almost everywhere I went, especially the water access stuff, because the water rises quite a bit during the during the winter time and um and i'm sure part of maybe turkey season like spring that water's pretty high you can kind of tell where it's at because those woods are so open uh in that low line stuff but you know, i find like full skeletons of carp almost everywhere i go wow just i out, didn't even you, think about that you'd be out in the middle of the woods and all of a sudden there's like Six dead carp. It looks like the, what's it called? The elephant boneyard or elephant graveyard on Lion King. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's just bones everywhere. It's kind of gross. And they probably still smell like that stupid carp too. <laughs> they probably still stink. Um, mm. Yeah. You know what? Overall, man, I, I think the hunt dumb 
thing. I th- that is kind of like my my motto going into a lot of these early season hunts from now on. We learn a lot and we analyze a lot of things throughout the um, the places that we hunt. You know, here in Alabama, I think hill country you have to a little bit more. Um, Adam, where you're at, definitely yeah. have to on the public because it gets so much so much pressure down uh, over that way. It's like, man, sometimes you you absolutely have to be analytical like you have to think about these things yeah. it's what makes us successful i think while other people are hunting dumb but i have never seen if if you're a guy who uh maybe you don't typically have a lot of success um throughout the season i would suggest finding an early season hunt a september hunt yeah. to try to try your hand at um just to yeah. increase your opportunity a little bit, man, because that's the people who seem to do well on these hunts. The people who don't know what they're doing is actually kind of against the against the handbook, right? Um, yeah. yeah. These hunts are great for those kind of people. Um, so I overthought, I overthought everything because there were so many places to hunt that looked good, and then you it's five o'clock and you haven't decided where you're going to hunt. That, that's, that was my issue. Just pick a spot and go. Takeaways. All right, Matt, What what's your biggest takeaway? Something that you're going to do um, differently next time you do like this early September type hunting? Yeah, I'm going to hunt longer in the mornings. Uh, probably, you know, hunt till 1030 or so because that is when everybody's getting out. And we did see the first morning that the deer were moving. And then in the evenings, um, I felt more comfortable actually hunting in the woods than directly on beans. Both evenings I hunted around beans, but I'm going to be more in these low-lying areas where these deer kind of feel hidden before they pop out on the beans. Because you know every year, I know deer are smart, but they're not geniuses. But you know every year around them, they're like, okay, the beans are safe until this time, and now we've kind of got to watch out. So yeah. they, I feel like they're moving to beans a lot later in the season, uh, on the season opener. Um, so really hitting those low transition areas, catching those deer staging, kind of like Adam did on one of those bucks he killed. Yeah. Adam, what's your takeaway? Probably never going back on opening day. <laughs> takeaway number one. <laughs> no, um, if I could, uh, if I could do things differently, and as I look towards the future, one of the things I'd really like to do, and I'm really close to Kentucky, like I can be in Kentucky in 30 minutes. Like, there's no reason that I can't cross that line and go get some private land access. Like, I need to start knocking on some doors. Uh, for me, it's a little bit different than you guys. Like, you guys got hours and hours of driving. I could be in Kentucky in 30 minutes and hunting closer to my house and find bucks on beans before season opens and get them patterned. Um, and then I think, like I talked about in the past with find CRP, find food. You've talked about travel corridors today and bedding. Like you can find those four things together. And I think you got a recipe for success. But for me, it's just I need to go find some permission close to my house, honestly. That's good. That's uh, the permission thing in Kentucky would probably be beneficial. <laughs> Uh, I yeah. can't, I can't I just, see it being a bad thing. Do it. The, big, the biggest no. book I saw all weekend was the day before season right outside of the place we were hunting. Yeah. In an open field. Yep. Like 130 inch deer. So my so, biggest takeaway. What what's your take? Yeah. What's your takeaway, Parker? My biggest takeaway, um, or the, I, I'm not going to say that I would, I would do things a lot different. Like, look, this is one of the first years that I've been there and been like, I think I would probably, I think what I did was the right thing. I definitely had more deer in bow range. And just the fact that I killed two does is already further. I've never killed a doe on this place. And I have every intention of killing one every time I've been there. Um, I've taken a lot of shots at bigger bucks. Taken like maybe one shot at a doe and missed. Um and I killed one small buck out there. So, like, the shot opportunities are not, like, crazy out there for any kind of deer. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of deer you're trying to hunt. Actually getting in bow range is 
you know, you might get one or two of deer. So just the fact that I got on in bow range of multiple does like that, uh, that was good for me. I felt like I was doing, doing right in a lot of those ways. I think if I would, if I were to do something different, I would hunt around standing corn a little bit more. Um, not all the time, but I think I did. I never, I never gave it a, even a chance. I don't ever give it a chance, um, in the standing cornfields. And I, I have, I know for certain that those deer are bedding in the standing cornfields. So why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I go and, and hunt mm-hmm. the standing corn? Uh, especially in the morning, you know, like talk about trying to get in close to bedding. Golly, get on the edge of standing cornfield can be the way to do it. Um, and uh, there was one spot that I felt confident that I would have killed a, a deer in had I hunted it. Um, and I didn't go because it was standing corn around it. And uh, somebody else that I know just the other day jumped a, the day after we left, jumped a really big deer in that spot. Um, I'd sent him a couple pins and that was one of them. And he jumped a really big deer in that spot. So, I mean, would I killed him? Probably not. But the fact that there was a big buck in there in the daylight, I would, there's a good chance I could have jumped him at some point had I hunted it and known he was there and tried to figure something out. And I didn't only because it was corn. That was it. So, kind of my main main takeaway. I'm looking forward to it, though. We're going to yeah. go back uh, second weekend of October. Uh, I know me and Matt are going to go. Adam, as always, the invitation is wide open to you. But I know you, it, guys. you said you had something that you had to go do. Shoot. I was hoping I was going to get to see you for the second time. Well, and I, I think I'm going to pull that quarter tag this year, too. So it's like, eh, I'm not yeah. that pumped up about trying to kill early season buck when I know I can go to Kentucky and experience a rut like I won't experience at home, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. You know when they'll be moving. Kind of holding up. Yep. That's going to be good, too. That's going to be a really good hunt. Um, I was but things are changing. Corn's bit getting cut, you know, all across the the state of Kentucky. They're starting to cut cornfields, so that, in my opinion, that opens up a whole new um, slew of opportunities out there. Every time that's ever yeah. happened, every time I've hunted cut corn out there, it's been stupid. So, excited about that trip. Fellas, thanks for coming on, talking about the Kentucky trip. We'll have a couple videos up as soon as possible. I am trophy husband in this week, and taking my wife on a cruise for our anniversary. So I will not be Ooh. doing any more early season hunting until Alabama opens probably. Um, but we should have some fresh put in videos. Your time. Huh? Yeah, you got to put, put in your time. You got to put in the time, man. Like, especially if you, if you're able, I can kind of make my own schedule and, you know, work from wherever. And so I was like, you know, we really don't have the money, but, I'm going to take her anyway. I'm going to get those brownie points. Good and I'm freaking you. excited about it. I'm 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 excited about just going and I might not even think about deer hunting the whole time I'm there. I'm, hey, get cut loose, let your feet hang out, you know. Yeah, yeah Adam, you're, you're, you're right. I probably will, but. <laughs> <laughs> She's lying. Your lies just dripping. <laughs> Is there any deer on this island? <laughs> y'all, got, y'all got deer in Cozumel? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna see like on your iPhone, man. Looking at maps, what do you think? What do you think about this little travel corridor right here? <laughs> what does <laughs> Topo look like? <laughs> iguana bedding. Every time I've ever yeah. been there, it's just covered with iguanas everywhere. Hey, I'd like, I'd like to dart some iguanas. That'd, That'd be fun. fun. I've seen some of those videos. I've heard they taste good. Matt, too. you make sure to wear snake chaps while you're out, because dude, I ain't going I to hunt where you're at. I'm not going back there. Oh, dude, Matt had to had a run in with some cotton mouse, moccasins. Oh. moccasins. I was surrounded. Stepped on one of them. Did you actually like step on him? Yeah, I stepped on the side of him. He was oh. co- he was cold up, and I stepped right on the side of him. I cannot believe he didn't strike at you. 
I can't either. And the bigger one was in front. And you know, I, I like poking I like poking things. So I poked him, threw a stick at him. Well then he started swimming towards me. And then that's when I turned around to go back out the way I came. <laughs> and I like, and nope. I and I saw the other one. You're like crap I shouldn't and have poked him. I'm sorry. Like here we go. But usually I carry my cruising stick from work and I it's like a five foot long stick and I can I can crack snakes, you know, head with it and kill them. Um, but I didn't bring it with me. So I was stickless. I had to end up cutting a stick with my machete while I was out there to move the other snake out of the way just so I could leave and go to my truck and go home. <laughs> but you had a so, machete? Dang. Why not use a machete? Is it too close? That's too close, man. No, I ain't. By the time my hand's going down, he's striking at me. No, I want to keep my hand. Alright, well, fellas, appreciate you guys. Let's talk next week. That's fun. All right. See ya. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. And as always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Tethered, Spartan Forge, and Six Day Grind Coffee Company. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch read some blog articles and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.